All right, welcome to my first episode of this podcast. My name is Bree, and I'm very excited to be starting out this journey. Um, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a really long time. It's something I've talked about and told myself I would do, and I finally had the courage to actually get things going. So this is super exciting for me, and if you're tuning in and listening to this, I appreciate it so much. Uh, Whether you're on a journey of recovery already or you're wanting to start something, I hope that through these episodes and through my story and the story of others to come on the show that you will find hope and that you'll see that recovery is possible. I was somebody who struggled for so much of my life and I have now been a recovered addict for over two and a half years which has been just the greatest gift I could ever give to myself. And if I can share any type of hope or encouragement with someone who needs to hear it, like that's my ultimate goal for this podcast. So yeah, I, um, I hope to have different people on here and interview them about their journey with recovery. But um, I thought I would start off my first episode with just sharing a little bit about myself and about my journey. So like I said, my name is Bree. I'm 28 years old and I live on Vancouver Island in Canada. I have a beautiful six-year-old daughter and I have um, found a whole new life over the last two and a half years of achieving my sobriety. And it was something that I struggled with for a really long time. I first attempted to get sober about eight years ago and I went through a detox and stabilization program and I ultimately went through years of relapsing (laughs) after that and it was not fun. It was not cute. It was not a good time for myself and for anyone involved, even my kid um, in the end of things. And yeah, I, I struggled on my own for a really long time. And for me, 12-step programs have been a huge part of my recovery. I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I work with a sponsor and I have sponsees and I've done the 12 steps. And for me, that's been a huge part of my journey. And I know that for a lot of people, 12-step programs aren't the answer. But personally speaking, I... I have found real recovery through doing the 12 steps and I was sober for a year and a half on my own without doing any kind of of work and I was so miserable. I was just sober. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't using and I, I just had no real joy in my life and didn't really feel a purpose for myself still and if anything things got harder because all the feelings that I had drank or used to numb out for so much of my life had just come up for me in a really big way and I didn't have anything to kind of block that out anymore and I just really had to feel all of those difficult emotions and um, it didn't allow me really to experience joy because I was so overcome with trauma from my past and with um, just a complete inability to function really as a, as a sober person because my addiction started from a really young age. I would say that 
I really fell into a cycle of addiction around 15 years old and it progressed very quickly for me. Um, I moved out when I was around 17 and I was numbing myself day in and day out. It was really all I knew. Um, and the whole purpose of, of me moving out actually was so that I would have a space where I could get high and I could party and I could do whatever I wanted and um, there would be no one to stop me. And addiction is a big part of my family as well. I was um, very exposed to many people in my life from a young age who struggled with addiction. And for me, it was really just normalized. Um, I think I accepted from a really young age that that was kind of going to be my own personal reality as well. And I was okay with that because it was all I've known and it, like I said, was very normal to me. So when I became a full-blown addict uh, at 17, it it didn't concern me like I didn't see a problem with it I thought that I was just young and I was having fun but I mean I was losing so much in my life so quickly I barely graduated school shout out to my principal Mr. Coleman for (laughs) letting me letting me pass and actually graduate um that was a huge gift and I still don't know what he saw in me in that point but I'm so thankful for it to this day, but I was just, I wasn't able to function. I was failing all my classes. I was working graveyard shifts at a Tim Hortons so I could make money to pay my rent and obviously support my habits. And, um, and yeah, I just pushed everything that was important to me to the side. Like so many of my really amazing friendships just completely diminished, um, I'd been a part of a church for a year and I'd built a, well, not for a year, for years, I'd been a part of a church and I'd built these really amazing connections with all these different people. And as soon as I really fell into my addiction, I felt so much shame and I felt, um, just so disconnected from those healthy friendships and those healthy people in my life that I just surrounded myself with like-minded people that wanted to drink and use and essentially just fuck around, (laughs) to be honest. Um, And don't get me wrong, these are great people and we've all had our struggles, but they're, um, they're just the people I chose to surround myself with. So I lost a really huge chunk of my friendships um, in, in going down this path. And another big thing for me was I had actually been the captain of my high school rugby team. Rugby was probably the biggest passion I'd had in my life and it was something that I'd done for years like from the age of I think nine I started playing um so I played for years and in the last uh little bit of high school in grade 12 when I was the captain of my school team I ended up just walking away from everything and I walked away from big opportunities too like I had the possibility to go and play for Team Canada and I had a lot of opportunities through rugby and it was something that I loved to do but it became so unimportant to me because it was taking away from my ability to drink and use and 
And that's been a hard pill for me to swallow over the years. But I truly believe that everything that's happened on my journey has happened for a reason and led me to where I am today. But at the time, um, I thought I was experiencing joy and I was in fact in like one of the worst depressions of my life. And um, this addiction like led me into some really toxic relationships and friendships and just horrible situations, um, which ultimately led me to experiencing some really traumatic stuff. And, um, and it was not, (laughs) it was not good. And it took me years to be able to deal with that. Um, I didn't have any tools for being able to sit with myself or talk about what was going on. And really all I knew was just to numb it all out and just keep chasing that high. And yeah, that went on for years. Um, I struggled for years. When I was 19, I went through a really traumatic experience. I was sexually assaulted and um, my whole world just kind of crumbled. But I didn't tell anybody about what had happened because it had happened uh, from someone who was really close to me in my life. And there were um, a lot of fears around speaking up and saying something so it was information that I kept to myself for over two years and it um it just spiraled me in my addiction like I started drinking and using way more than ever before um to just not think about what had gone on and what had happened and to deal with not only the shame of being sexually assaulted but the shame of not coming forward with that, not sharing that information with anyone and just like totally isolating myself with that pain. And my only solution was to keep drinking and using and my life like quickly spiraled out of hand. I was hospitalized for the first time in the psych ward that year and I made a few trips up there. (laughs) I was a bit of a frequent flyer. And uh, I wouldn't get honest with anyone about what was actually going on. And I, I struggled so much. Like I got diagnosed with so many different mental illnesses that I later found out I don't suffer from. And it's taken me years to actually get my real diagnosis, which I'll talk about in a later episode. But I was, um, I wasn't opening up. I wasn't getting honest about what was actually going on with me. And so I wasn't able to actually receive the help. And I was just going in and out of the hospital. I was drinking and using on a daily basis. I was really struggling with an eating disorder, which, um, nearly killed me a few times. I went from, I was a big girl. I was a rugby girl. I weighed 230 pounds at the start of grade 12 And about a year and a half later, I, at one point, weighed 98 pounds. I was absolutely starving myself, um, just basically consuming drugs and alcohol, still working those graveyard shifts at Tim Hortons, not getting any form of sleep. And I was, like, killing myself. Uh, And then I was also on a self-harm mission, um... 
self-harm is a big part of my story in the past and it got really bad for me at a point in time like I was self-harming every day um, and I was engaging in my eating disorder every day and I was essentially powerless to all these different addictions that I had and it soon became not just a, a drug and alcohol addiction but an addiction to just inflicting chaos on my life whether it was through self-harm or an eating disorder or whatever that looked like a toxic relationship and I just completely completely lost myself I I wouldn't tell anybody I was struggling and my friends will talk to me about it and say like we would go for coffee or we would go for sushi one day and then the next day you would be in the psych ward and we had no idea what the hell was going on and um yeah like that was my reality I felt like I couldn't tell anybody what was happening with me and it was a horrible place to be and I stayed in that for a very very long time and then fast forward to 2016 I broke my wrist when I was out one night partying and uh it was bad. I had to get a surgery on it. I was in a cast. My surgery got botched. I ended up having to get three separate surgeries on this wrist and it cost me my job. I was no longer able to work and I was prescribed some pretty intense medication. I was prescribed Dilaudid, which is essentially synthetic heroin. Um, and I got addicted to that very quickly. So I'm off work now, I'm unable to have a job, I'm sitting at home, I'm drinking on a regular basis, I'm taking Dilaudid um, well over the prescribed amount, doing whatever it took, like I went to any lengths to get more of that stuff and I was just like a shell of a human being and at the time my partner who I lived with and my dad who was actually living with me, they had no idea that I was struggling like this. Um, They had no idea I was hiding it because I did not want it to stop. I didn't want anyone to try and stop me. And I knew that if these people who loved me and cared about me knew what I was doing to myself, that they would. So I did anything I could to hide it. I did anything to protect myself from having to get sober, having to get honest. And um, very quickly it got to a point where I... I just couldn't escape it and so I broke my wrist and all of this started in February of 2016 and in May of 2016 one of my closest friends and longest friends was murdered Um, his name was Derek he was a beautiful person and he meant the world to me and I'd actually seen him one week before Um, I was out drinking at District a nightclub in my hometown or in the city I live in now I should say and I ran into him and it was so weird because I hadn't seen him in years and I saw him and we had this beautiful exchange um, because I moved to Victoria years ago and uh, I hadn't seen him since I moved and we had this beautiful exchange with one another and caught up And the last thing I said to him was, I love you, man. I'll see you soon. And exactly a week later, I found out that he was murdered. And um, I would say that that was a huge 
huge point in my major downfall um, and and me reaching the lowest point of of my life so far and um, within a couple months I just really lost the will to live I had lost the desire to stay and to keep going through life like this Um, at that point I felt so much pain and emotion and sadness um, and I was so lost in my addiction I just felt like I could not possibly get out of that place I did not know how I would get out of that place and so ultimately decided that the best thing to do was to end my life Um, I'm so grateful to say that it was unsuccessful obviously as I sit here today recording this podcast but um, but it was a huge turning point in in getting me the help that I needed so I had this failed suicide attempt I ended up in the psych ward yet again and this time I actually got some real help and I actually started to get honest with people and I I was up in the psych ward for a few days and received some help just kind of coming back from the attempt and uh, I was quickly discovered that I needed some serious help detoxing from drugs and alcohol so I went across to detox and I spent 10 days there coming down off of everything and getting just kind of stabilized and then I went uh, across the hall into stabilization and this whole thing had cost me my relationship Um, it had cost my partner and I our home and I had nowhere to go so I lived in stabilization for two months and um, and then I left and I went into a recovery home and I was doing great but I had met this (laughs) I'd met this guy in detox and as Rihanna said we uh, we found love in a hopeless place and I started dating this guy and we were both like fresh fresh out of detox fresh out of stabilization Uh, he had already started relapsing as soon as he left detox I was two months sober and uh, I got pregnant two weeks after I had got out of stabilization so I have this newfound pregnancy and I'm like two and a half months sober I have no idea what I'm doing I barely know this guy Um, I am have not healed from anything I'm in no place to be having a child but I just felt like it was something that was meant to happen for me and that I got pregnant for a reason and I see so clearly now that my daughter has been the greatest gift I'm so glad I chose to keep that pregnancy and give birth to my daughter um and so yeah that started um the longest point of my sobriety at that time I stayed sober through my pregnancy and and after I had her I was sober for up until about just before her first birthday I started drinking again um, a month before her first birthday but that was the longest I'd been sober uh, ever in a long time 
um, in about five and a half years, that was the longest I'd been sober. And I, I really thought that because I didn't drink during my pregnancy and I didn't drink or use during, um, the first almost year of my daughter's life that I wasn't an addict, that I could obviously handle this. And I was massively mistaken in that. Um, and I quickly went right back into the cycle of just complete unmanageability with my life. And now I've got a young daughter in the mix. Um, things with her dad went south very quickly. And she and myself actually ended up in protective housing a week before her first birthday. And I was just an absolute mess. I was completely lost. Um, I was 21 years old and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, or I guess I was 22, 22 years old, completely lost. I've got this little one-year-old baby with me. I'm living in a shelter for women and, uh, I had no idea what I was going to do. And so using and drinking like again just became a crutch for me uh i mean this would have been a great time for me to get sober and turn my life around and get my shit together but it did not happen for for years down the road uh so i start this new life with my daughter and i go in and out of all these toxic relationships i have many more traumatic things go on in my life, um, a lot of them as a result of my carelessness and my just, yeah, absolute lack of care for myself, putting myself in really dangerous situations and not giving a shit about what happened to me. Um, I was so disconnected from reality and disconnected from my role as a mother just disconnected from everything. Um, and I mean, I always showed up for my daughter and I was always there for her, made sure she had what she needed, but I couldn't give myself any, anything. So I wasn't able to give my daughter what she deserved. Uh, so I struggled for a really long time and I would try and make things work at jobs and I, I felt like I kind of had a, a, a bit of a grip on my addiction at this point like I could keep a job um, I would jump around from them though because I was restless and I couldn't couldn't find happiness at work and I felt like that was my problem so I would jump around from job to job and um, yeah I just kept going in this cycle of a spiral in my addiction and I uh, it just got out of hand um, over time like really quickly and I I went to a really dark place I would say that after COVID um, I'm not really sure what it was I'm not sure if it was being isolated from people or or really what I've still been thinking about that a little bit, but after COVID, I, I really kind of lost myself in this stuff. And I was looking for people to watch my daughter as much as possible. Um, 
I wouldn't drink or use ever in the household with her or when I had her. But in turn, that meant that I would do whatever it took to have time apart from her and and make it so that I could go and get fucked up. And so I was, um, I was just so disconnected from my reality um, and really trying to escape my reality. But then I would come down from, from these benders and be hit with just such a level of remorse. Um, as a mom, as an addict and a mother, there is a deep level of shame in that. And I, I never want to experience that pain again. Um, so yeah, I, I started really struggling with drugs and alcohol, especially in 2021. And things spiraled out of hand really quickly on the night of my 26th birthday. I, I don't know how I didn't overdose, but I almost overdosed and, um, I just remember laying in my bed and at this point in time in my life, I did not pray at all. I hadn't prayed in years, but something came over me and I said to myself and to whatever I was praying to that if you don't take my life from me tonight, I swear I will never touch drugs again. And so I I stuck to that and I actually got clean off of drugs that night. I've never picked up again. I've been clean off of drugs since June 17th, 2016, the day after my birthday. Or sorry, 2016. Who am I lying to? 2021, 2016, Brie was a mess. <laughs> so uh, since June 17th, 2021, I haven't picked up um, drugs. But after that, I kept drinking and um, kind of lost the... If you've drank and used, you find that there's a bit of a balance and and there's certain <laughs> things that you can take to balance out how drunk you are. And when I took those things out of the equation, I was a mess when I would drink and I was blacking out and I was doing some really crazy shit. And um, that went on for a bit, about a month and a bit, um, month and a half. And I went out one night, I went to a beach rave. I was having a great time. I was very intoxicated and I ended up, um, I ended up getting arrested that night, uh, for, I don't even like to talk about it, honestly, but I got arrested for assault causing bodily harm with a weapon. Um, and, and it, it terrified me. Um, it shook me to the core, honestly. And like, it's just not who I am. And at that point I realized I had no control when I was drinking. Um, it really scared the shit out of me. And I always say I got scared sober. When I finally got sober, I got scared sober. Um, I was terrified. 
I was terrified about going to court and having these charges. Um, I was terrified about losing my daughter, who I had full custody of. I was terrified about just anything to come from that point because I had finally felt like I'd lost complete control. And I knew that I could never pick up a drink again. So I have not had a drink since August 1st, 2021. Um, This August, it will be three years sober for me. I count August 1st as my sobriety day because it's when I really got sober. And um, yeah, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I stayed sober for a year and a half without getting into um, any type of real recovery. And so something I talk about a lot with people is that there's a big difference between sobriety and recovery. And um, anyone can experience sobriety, but to experience, and, and that just comes from not taking a drink, right? To experience sobriety, all we have to do is not take a drink or not pick up and use. But to experience recovery, we really have to dive in deep and look at the reasons behind why we have drank and used for so long and the reasons behind our addiction and, um, and, and who we really are. Like for me, I hated myself for years. I couldn't look at myself. There was a long time where I couldn't even look in the mirror. I hated who I was. And um, I had to really have a real look at myself and, and look at the things that I needed to heal in order to experience recovery. So after, like I said, about a year and a half sober, I decided to go back to AA. And I had been introduced to AA like eight years ago when I first went into detox and stabilization. It was a requirement that we go to AA. Um, the very first AA experience I ever had was when a group of people came up and they did something called a panel meeting and they came from an AA group and they came up into detox and I was like four days sober. I was a mess. Um, and these people came in and they were just so happy and cheerful and there was just something about them. I was really drawn to it. I was very intrigued. Um, there was a specific woman who's actually gone on and passed away from her addiction a few years ago but at the time when I met her she just had this zest for life um she was like a little walking angel she just made me want what she had and I really got intrigued by AA so I enjoyed going to the meetings um when I was in detox and stabilization and I went to them every day sometimes multiple times a day and I really liked that I would hear people talk and I could relate to their experiences and, um, and I was like, this is great. Like this, this is working for you guys. Like, this is awesome. There's obviously something here. And I would have people try and sponsor me and take me through the steps and time after time when it came to actually doing the work, which is around step four, um, I would run because I could not look at myself. I, I couldn't bring myself to do that. So when I came back into recovery, fast forward in 2000 and I guess 2000 and 
I guess it was like 2023 maybe. Um, I come back in and I, I finally understood that if I was going to truly experience recovery and not be this miserable dry drunk, <laughs> just sober, um, that I needed to finally do this work. And so I have an incredible sponsor. Um, he is someone that I first met about eight years ago when I came into the program and, and he's always someone who, um, made me just feel so welcomed and so loved from day one before, before we'd even connected really. Um, and I had no idea that years later he would be my sponsor, but he came up to me one day after a meeting and he told me that he was going to sponsor me. He didn't ask me if I needed a sponsor. He didn't ask me if I was interested in doing the steps. He just told me that he was going to sponsor me and that we were going to start doing the steps. And honestly, that was a huge gift for me. I don't think I would have ever had the courage to ask someone that. And I'm so thankful that he came up to me and he told me that. And, um, so we started to do the work together and I dragged it out for so long. Like I think it took me like six months to do the first three steps, which was crazy. And then another couple months to do step four and five. But after that, I really, after I did step four and five and really had an honest look at myself, I, uh, I really wanted this. Like I really wanted to experience that freedom. So I, I worked through the rest of the steps. Um, I had, as they say in, in AA literature that you'll experience a spiritual awakening. And, and I think that's a really great way to describe it. Like I finally felt connected to myself and my spirit and found a purpose for my life again, found meaning to my life again, and have just this incredible desire to want to give that back to others. And so in AA, our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And so that's really the goal with this podcast, right? Like to, to share my story and help others have a platform to share their stories, to give hope to someone, um, and, and allow them to experience the same freedom that I have today. Um, I also did a lot of outside work with my therapist who is absolutely incredible. I started therapy a little over a year ago and it has been one of the greatest things I've ever chose to do. Um, I have healed so much of my past and been able to move past things that I never thought I would be able to move through and, and grow from and, and heal from. So I, for me, therapy has been a huge part of my story as well. But today I'm in a place where I never thought I would be like just earlier today, I had a friend of mine message me and ask me if I would take her on and be her sponsor and take her through the steps. And I mean, for so much of my life, I was someone that you would not want to be like, you would, um, yeah, like I was not it. It was not like no one wanted what I had. I was miserable. I was suffering. I was living in this chaos and just absolute misery. And today to be in a place where I'm able to give back, um, 
what I've learned and how I've healed and to help someone else come to a place where they experience that is honestly the greatest gift I have. Um, and there's so many other incredible gifts with my recovery to show up as the mother that my daughter deserves and that, that I want to truly be has been a huge gift. And our relationship today is so incredible. We are so close and connected and I, I can just be present with my daughter today and give her everything that it is she needs and and desires um, as a child and as a human being and and uh, what a gift to to share that with her now um, and I don't hold on to the past and and feel remorse for it I I use it to remind me of where I never want to be again though um, I never want to put myself through that pain or put my daughter through that experience ever again and it's a huge driving force for my recovery um today i have a beautiful life i i feel joy in just the everyday things and i mean my life is not that exciting i'm a single mom i have my daughter full-time and i work full-time in a super fun restaurant um but I just kind of go through the motions of my day-to-day routine and I find so much joy in, in the small things and, and that's something I would never have thought I could experience. Um, I think that one of the main reasons I drank and used was to experience happiness, which was never the reality of it. And, and also to just experience a sense of peace. Like I, I had so much going on in my brain from different traumas, from my childhood, from my later years. And I just wanted it all to stop for a minute. And the only way I could do that was through getting loaded. And today I experience so much peace in my life in recovery. And as we get into the later Um, episodes and talk with more people I I really want to share with you the tools that I've used to to get to this place Um, this was just a quick little rundown (laughs) of of my life um, and how I got to be in recovery and I don't want to share so much the the past I like this podcast says this is about untethering from the past So I really just wanted to take this first episode to share with you my story. If you can relate to it, um, then I hope you got something out of this today and out of, um, out of hearing how I have recovered. Mm -hmm.